This is a fourth-hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't know. Planes that they're and police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd way. Welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Kurt Russell. <laughs> Don't lead off already on the story we have. God. Well, spoiler alert. Huh? Absolutely. Um, well, you know, we're going to start this one usually how we have recently been doing because I don't think that there's anything wrong with that and do a PSA on just keep being fucking kind to each other. How's that sound? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I know you're on the fence with the whole thing. So now things still continue to brew, um, but at the same time, we're continuing uh, to brew on our side as well. So. Um, hopefully you guys liked uh, what we put out there on YouTube for the news. Hopefully you like Bruce Fenton as well. Uh, for those of you who are Patreon members, you had a little bit of bonus episode, or a little bonus content, I guess. But what was it, guys? Like 12 minutes worth of just after yeah, the, the recording? The conversation uh, continued after the red light went off. And it was it was really good. He actually asked us some questions, so that was pretty fun i i yeah. honestly i feel like he's kind of the first guest anytime we're like hey do you got any questions you know usually it's just like no i'm good but uh yeah he asked us some questions and i'm we're I, that's as much as i want to say about it unless you're a patreon member <laughs> yeah if you're patreon you listen to it i yeah, thought it was cool it. i thought it was neat because you don't get that very often and it was mm-hmm. a very surprising interview you know we've got more lined up but at the same time um, I feel like we're a little back cataloged on just our own research write-ups that we interviews are always nice, but you know, we've got a plethora of ideas, um, that we have just lined up. And this yeah. one actually that we're going to discuss this evening Hang on a sec. Yes. If I wanted to become a Patreon member <gasps> so I could get that sweet bonus time with Bruce R. Fenton, how would I go about that? <laughs> I don't you, know. You yeah, can <laughs> what I don't even know how to spell it. Patreon.com slash strange uncles and you can join. We have I think correct me if I'm wrong, boys, we have four different tiers to choose from. Kind of a liking of everybody's choice. Um, you know, you could donate from a dollar, you could donate up to the twenty five dollar max, and um, you know, we'll take out to dinner. No, we're making that up. We won't take out to dinner. Yeah, but. don't 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 give us your don't promise don't, don't, don't promise. promise things that don't promise things that we can't actually uh Give to the people. Get, get hack off. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, so far, you know, we've got pretty good, pretty good stand. We got some more things on Patreon coming down the pike that we've discussed on things we just kind of want to offer and um, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, just meld with you guys. I guess you know if that's not too much. We're just trying to fucking meld. You know? That's all. So we want yeah, to meld. You know, like just let us meld. Kirk at the end of uh, Wrath of Khan, man. Oh God, don't get me started. I cry every time I just think about that scene. Oh, that's awful. But anyway, well, speaking of Patreon, thanks, Josh, for the reminder of that. Um, This actual research here that we've done was a suggestion from a said Patreon member. 
Um, so I appreciate it. Uh, you know, he said, hey, why don't you guys talk about this? We're like, great. We can do that. I believe it was Ian's idea. Was that right? Uh, yes, uh, I believe so. Yeah. 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 Thank so, you, Ian. Yeah. Yeah. It took some time to do it, but uh, very interesting. Very interesting. So we're going to kind of dive into it. Unless you guys have anything else to promote, you want to discuss, you want to talk about before we get into the weeds? Uh, I say let's get into the weeds. Let's figure it out. All right. This one's enough. for Ian. This one. This one's for Ian. <laughs> this one's for Ian. All right. Sorry. Outstanding. On a fairly clear night on March 13th, 1997, a one John Kayser was outside enjoying the night air with his family in Prescott, Arizona around 8 p.m. While he was looking up into the Arizona night sky, he noticed a cluster of lights to the west-northwest of where they stood. The lights formed a triangular pattern, but all of them appeared to be red, except the light at the nose of the object, which was distinctly white. The object or objects, which had been observed by approximately two to three minutes with binoculars, then passed directly over the observers, were seen to bank to the right, and then disappeared in the night sky to the southeast of Prescott Valley. He was amazed as well as his wife and his kids and couldn't determine exactly how low the lights were in the sky or even what was causing them. As quick as they appeared, they then disappeared. But one thing John made a point of knowing is that no matter what it may have been, it made no sound whatsoever. This is just one witness account of many that would be reported that evening. In fact, not only did people blow up the police dispatch center as to what they saw and were experiencing, but the eyewitness accounts would stretch almost 300 miles and be seen from the Nevada line through Phoenix to the edge of Tucson. Even though this event happened over 20 years ago, it still is discussed in the high strangeness circles and is still argued amongst investigators and researchers as to exactly what occurred on that night. Were they simply airplanes? Was the military performing aerial exercises in that area? Or is there more to the sightings? Dare we say, could it be, and we love this subject, mm. unidentified flying objects? So we ask you, the listeners, to help us dive into the strange case as we go down the rabbit hole with the Phoenix Lights. Open the gates. Thousands here in Arizona witnessed the most documented UFO sighting in the world. March 13th, 1997, mysterious lights suddenly appeared over Phoenix and over much of the state. Thousands of other people from Tucson to Phoenix and all the way up to the Nevada border reported seeing something in the sky. Whoever did this not only wanted to be seen, but wanted to wake us up that we may not be alone in the universe. All right, boys. So this is a Phoenix Lights. Yeah. Are we ready? Yeah. Um, man, I think this, I remember when this happened. I was in seventh grade, I think. <laughs> and I remember seeing the news about this and it just blowing my mind. Um, and I think this is, I think it's safe to say that minus the X-Files shit that I saw uh, when I was way younger. I think this is the first actual UFO case that I ever was aware of and kind of tried to learn about and figure out what the hell that was. Likewise. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I can't believe it was 1997. It does not feel like it's been that long. Oh, it's crazy. Time. Well, and then you look at it too, you know, when we started doing the research on this and I'm going through YouTube clips and things, I'm trying to put things together. Um, 
it, you know, it, it's hard to find some of those eyewitness videos that are still on there. The only way that I found them was literally through like news uh, casts and things like that, where they would have like a little, an intro. And what was surprising through all this, and we'll cover it in a little bit, they still celebrate it, which we'll talk about it. But, uh, you know, yearly, it seems like that area, especially Phoenix, you know, will have like that day and the news episode has a special spinoff and the museum has things that they exhibited and MUFON's involved. And it's just as long as ago as it was, it's still a fucking thing. Yeah. And that's well, just cool. And I don't know if I'm spoiling anything on this because Shane, you kind of took the reins on this one, but um, Arizona actually has the most UFO sightings per capita of any state in the country. Yeah. So while California has more sightings per capita, Arizona has more. And, you know, I thought there for a while and, and you're right on the Arizona fact. Um, I thought it was Montana or Wyoming just because of how densely it's not very populated and it's so mm-hmm. the towns are so spread out. So, you know, you, you have that zero light pollution. You're able to see things a little bit more, but you're, it is Arizona. And I don't yeah. know if that's people looking up in Arizona more or just there's something weird in that region. There's, there's just something strange about that region of the Southwest. Uh, man, I don't know. I think that's why there's a bunch of new age people that flock to that area. Sedona is just, Oh, Sedona's crazy. Well, well, look at uh, look at Colorado, the San Luis Valley, like mm-hmm. that area too is a hot spot, and that's not that far. it's not stones throw away, but it's not that far away from Sedona and the other areas. You know? Well, yeah. and that whole region is also full of like nuclear test sites and uh, where you know like uh, military bases and alleged like secret deep underground military bases and shit like that, like all along that corridor. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just neat. This really, it, it kind of fascinated me, and I think there's still people that are fascinated by it. What we're going to do on this one is just ha- kind of take both sides because there is another side to it, and as much as we really want to believe in everything, eh, maybe there's a little section that, I don't know, makes more sense. Yeah, than, you know. um, and actually I want to say, Shane, before you, <clears throat> when you were when you were doing this story, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to take the other side kind of maybe a little bit, even just to play devil's advocate oh. for the show or <laughs> yeah, anything, yeah. you know, like whatever, that's good. But I was like, yeah, you're insane. Like, no, it absolutely is. This UFOs. was a giant mile wide <laughs> UFO, but uh, kind of the more things I was learning from you, I was like, shit. And the more and more I look into every off for this part, <laughs> <laughs> just the, every time I look into some, UFO event that I love. It's like my dreams are dashed I, and I'm not yeah. appreciating the more and more I get into this. It's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm letting the skeptics get to me or what, but well, it's good to be skeptical, but it's good to be open. And it's that I, I, I and I always talk about not having blinders on and some with this one, it's really hard not to have blinders on for me because like I said, it was the first, UFO sighting in my short life at that time that I kind of got into. And it's, it's hard to take another devil's advocate point of view from this. Cause I like, I'm doing what I tell people not to do. And like, no, that's a UFO. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, that's right. Well, exactly. it, I mean, there's that fine line too, between uh, being an open-minded skeptic and a skeptical believer. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. good point. And yeah. not letting, not letting wanting to believe, color your judgment too much right well yeah 
that being said, if you guys convince me that this wasn't a real UFO, um, we might not be friends anymore. <laughs> well, this may be the last Strange Uncles episode you ever it. hear. So, guys, well, Shane, uh, Shane, break us, break us into this. Oh uh, yeah, episode twenty-six finale. Okay, here we go. So, <laughs> anyway, so here's some facts laid down. Um, so we'll break this all down here. Uh, what came to known as the Phoenix Lights? What happened? This happened on March thirteenth, nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, between the hours roughly, and again, give or take minutes, of 7.30 yeah. p.m. and 10.30 p.m. I translated that for military time because everything was in military time, just so you Thank know. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, Thank I you know. Your service. You civilians. You know, you don't know how to read it. Um, lights of varying descriptions were seen by thousands of people in a space of about 300 miles, 480 kilometers, for those of you in England. We have Patreon members over there. Uh, there were two distinct events involved in the incident. A triangular formation of lights seen to pass over the state, and a series of stationary lights seen in the Phoenix area. Witnesses claim to have observed a huge carpenter's square-shaped UFO. Uh, I God, do we need to explain what a carpenter's square is to people? It's a big ass square. It's a it's like a like weird a short square, triangle on one like side. Like a measuring tool. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um. They, witnesses claim to have observed a huge carpenter square uh, containing five spherical lights or possibly light-emitting engines. This event remains one of the largest UFO sightings in history and continues to be talked about, researched, and argued back and forth. These are the bare-bone facts of the event of what actually occurred. And I will say that I, one thing that I missed on my memory, my recollection, because I remember it like you do, John, too. This was huge for me. It's like, my God, this is happening. This is a thing. I forgot completely construed the idea that it was two separate events. It just wasn't one thing that happened and went from state border to state border. That's not what occurred. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, you know, that was just something kind of jog my memory. But those are the facts. And well, John's going to take us into some other things, I think. And I want to kind of just talk about how it remains one of the largest UFO sightings in history. There were nearly 10,000 people across the state of mm-hmm. Arizona that saw this. So yeah, that's quite a significant amount of people. And literally you had police officers, uh, commercial airliners, government officials, everyone saw this thing. Like, so that's, it's, uh, well, not only that, but what is kind of sad, but at the same time, you understand how even in 97, you know, we, you know, computers are kind of a, regular household thing cell phones are beginning to be a household thing to you know technology isn't really where it was now um the first event sadly really didn't have a lot of video a lot of people that were out there looking at the sky and seeing yeah. what's going on now after the first event happened and dispatcher are blown up everybody started talking about this the second sighting has more of the recordings and the videos and the pictures and because it caught wind mm-hmm. like it traveled quick yeah, but, you so know, it was it yeah. was the it, yeah it was it was definitely the more popular one. But the first one was the mysterious V configuration of lights that so many people across Arizona witnessed and was seen over Prescott at about eight fifteen p.m. And all of these times are very relative, and you know within you know there's there's some wiggle room there. And it traveled south to Phoenix at about eight thirty, and then passed over Tucson at eight forty five. And that is 200 miles and 30 minutes, which means the V was moving at about 400 miles per hour. Uh, and some early eyewitnesses perceived that it was high in the sky. Others swore it was low and moving very slowly. And unfortunately, the first incident really didn't get filmed or captured much at all. And from what we could research, 
There are only a small handful of footage captured and they are so grainy and hard to see. It just really doesn't prove to be valid evidence for what occurred. Yeah. And uh, just like everything else, the news of the first sighting traveled fast. So when the second event occurred, people were outside ready to capture what they think they would see. So we have a lot more evidence for the second sighting. And that occurred around 10 p.m. and happened in the sky southwest of Phoenix. And it was a string of lights appeared in the sky and slowly sank until they disappeared behind the nearby Estrella mountain range. And I may be getting the first and second um, events mixed up as well, but a lot of these witnesses thought the, the craft was moving very slow and was low altitude. Right. So maybe, so, I guess we. I guess that will be maybe this. Is that the second appearance? Am I jumping ahead here? Or? I can't wait for you knuckleheads to try and convince me the first sighting was Blair's moving four hundred <laughs> yeah, miles. No, an hour. that's yeah. I mean, no one, no one is gonna. Con- I'm. I'm so, not convincing anybody of anything. I mean, we're just gonna de- lay shit out there. Yeah. Well. Okay. So I definitely don't believe there were flares. Uh, but. So yeah. You're it talking was, elevation this, is what you're talking about. Like you're asking. Yeah, but so, I mean, the second sighting that occurred at 10 p.m. happened over the sky southwest of Phoenix and a string of lights appeared in the sky and they disappeared nearby the Estrella mountain range. And that, that I guess, is wraps up the second event. Yeah, and, and again, these are just like, you know, kind of facts in a bubble. Um, we're going to play a quick clip, and then Josh is going to come back with other reports. What was interesting, and, and some of these clips we have, too, are just the people that were involved and the people that witnessed it that saw it. It wasn't just, you know, like John, you said, you know, 10,000-plus people witnessed this thing. But mm-hmm. there was some people that were pretty, I don't know, pretty high up there that kind of witnessed Professional it. observers that... Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Absolutely. Yeah, they know aircraft. Yeah, and flares don't travel at four hundred miles an hour. No, and we're going to get into that too towards the end of this too, and we'll let you listeners kind of dissect after we throw some theories and some tests out there. But here's a quick clip from uh, the current governor at the time, um, Five Symington. Yeah, with Symington, and uh, this was an interview that was done not right after the incident happened. I believe this was seven years later. Uh, just very interesting on his viewpoint. So here we go with that. 1997. This event called Lights Over Phoenix. What did you see? Well, I saw a, uh, a huge craft just kind of come right over Squaw Peak um, that was, you know, it was just breathtaking. And um, I'm not sure about the, the date. You've, you've got a better memory March for the 13. dates than I do. Yeah. But there was no, like the Clinton day, no. No. <laughs> No, I was on a strict diet. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious now. That that it was a it was a U, unquestionably it was a UFO, which means unidentified flying object. Right. Doesn't nothing, mean we're being visited. Well, it's nothing like anything I've ever seen. And, and you're an Air Force guy. Yeah, yeah, and a pilot. Uh, got a lot of hours flying, so uh, it was pretty breathtaking. And um, and I'll never forget. I I snuck out to see it, um, you know, without DPS, um, which I. I'm not supposed to be driving my own car and that kind oh, of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, but I told Ann what I was doing. I was going to go up to Squaw Peak and see what everybody was, you know, clamoring about. 
And um, when I walked in the front door, she looked at me, and I was apparently just, normally I'm fair-complected and pale anyway, right? And she said, oh, my gosh, she said, she looked like a ghost. What, what, what did you see? And I said, well, I don't know what I saw, but it's, it was really something, and I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Thoughts? Uh, well, he's a credible witness. Yeah, he's he's right. the best... He's literally the best witness you could have because he's Air Force. He's a pilot. He has many hours. All this background credential. Yeah, exactly. He knows, you know, he can identify the Cessnas, the fucking whatever. I'm not a pilot or a scientist that I've established on this show. (laughs) Um, You didn't get the certificate I sent you in the mail, John? Yeah, completely. uh, (laughs) It was an uncertificate that uh, I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. Uh, but I mean, this is the observer that you want. Like he, he, he knows what should be in the sky and what shouldn't be in the sky. Absolutely. And if, and if the governor of a state of Arizona says he saw a humongous craft and he was going to go against his protection to drive out and follow it, those aren't flares. That isn't a bunch of no. warthogs flying in the sky very high tightly together like he would be able even if it was and i get that it's dark but even if it's super high altitude planes flying i think he would be able to look up and be like yeah that's some high altitude uh exercises or something didn't he say that when he went out it was like close to sunset but not fully dark or am i just wanting that to be the truth i i I can't comment um, either no, way. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know when he reported that. Um, I know that, well, the initial sightings was 730. I, I think he, it was a little after 8. It would have been March, so Mountain Standard so Time, right? Could, it would probably be a little duskish. Like, just after, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he specifically said craft, and he doesn't sound. And he did, he, yeah. yeah. He doesn't sound like the a dude that would use the word craft if all he saw were lights. I mean, that's his political career just going down the fucking drain, which also brings me to the point that I hate to make (laughs) that we're taking his revised statement with credibility when he straight up lied on camera. Yeah. At the time of the events, you know what I mean? With the fake alien, definitely being a politician, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with so, that. And that, Josh, that I don't know. Do you want to? I'm sorry. May I cut you off? I apologize. Do you do you want to elaborate on that? I didn't have that on my write up, but I think I know where you're going with that press conference he did. Yeah, with that it just. I understand what he was doing, and he even said in that documentary that you played that clip from that, like at the time, he was just trying to keep people from panicking, and like, there's no way a sitting governor could be like, "Yeah, I saw a craft. What the fuck? I don't know," and. Those are valid arguments, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I think people worrying about a panic is a fucking false. It's, it's a straw man argument. Like, because look at what's happened with the, the Nimitz tapes. Like the government has come out and said, those are real. We don't know what the fuck we caught on camera. Very good. And there are not riots in the fucking street. Yeah. So spare well, me the whole the public can't handle it. Bullshit. There's two. There's yeah. two points to that. Is a lot of eyewitnesses that witnessed the Phoenix Lights uh, commented that they felt mellow. They felt calm. They didn't feel 
like when they witnessed this giant craft in the sky, which they described being over a mile long, they didn't feel threatened and they just felt mellow and they were just kind of like, they looked up and they were just like, huh? Well, that's insane. Like th- there was no, right. Right. There wasn't, uh, I mean, they just, there well, was no threat of that. And also when, when they, when the Pentagon came out with all of that again, it's, they released that, <laughs> while coronavirus is just running rampant. So oh, yeah, that's, that's just bar- like, burying the news as well. For sure. But at the same time, I think enough people have been following that story for long enough that it didn't go unnoticed and they were still not riots in the street, at least not over that. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I mean, um, and Hollywood has been conditioning us to all accept an alien invasion for long enough that all okay, of us Steven are, Greer. I think, are military, uh, <laughs> mentally prepared. What? I said, okay, Stephen Greer. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, mean, I, I, love, I love Paul. Come on. One of these days, if I see he's, him stepping I, out I, of the ship. He's not completely wrong, though. I mean, that is like... No. I don't know if it's being done on purpose in coordination with the government, but there have been so many movies of alien invasions that if they showed up in two seconds, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily like their goal or whatever, but like... I'm just saying that there's so many movies out there that I think people, you know, you watch the, something so much. There's some like, spoon yeah, fed mentality. I, I, and, and I wasn't saying that I thought you thought that that's just the theory that Stephen Greer is putting out is that right. it's a psyop by the government and they're going to do a false flag fake invasion to try and unify humanity. Yeah. It's just, it's up there with fucking QAnon garbage. Well, but, um, that's all a different subject. What my main point was, was like, I don't know how much credibility to give to good old five you know what i mean what was I'm he with lying you. yeah at the press conference or was he lying in the documentary right well and you, you know, know keep in mind whether local small town or not or not small town but local he's still a fucking politician so you know he plays it off however he wants to play it off but at the same time yeah is there a credible fact to the point that he was a pilot um, we got a commercial break coming up but a couple points but um john you mentioned which when people saw the event and it's something I didn't really research on the write-up, but but I stumbled on so many people that were it, – it wasn't – they didn't feel attacked. They didn't feel like it was like a, nothing else. It was peaceful. It cleared their mind. Some people said it scrambled their mind and made them see other things. Um, mm-hmm. When we talk about movies and Hollywood spoon-feeding you, it's not just aliens. It's fucking everything that might – whether it's apocalypse, whether it's – that's just fucking Hollywood as Hollywood in general. And and it will probably never go away unless films go away. So the masses demand entertainment, Shane. I know, I know. We Th- demand. Thank God for 2012. I watched that the other day. Love you, John Cusack. Anyway, yeah, that is a great movie. <laughs> that is a great movie. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back, and Josh, you got some other things to fill us in on. I think. Um, stand yep. by. Good evening, ma'am. Hey, y'all. What can I do you for? Can I have a glass of Chardonnay? I'm sorry, darling. We don't serve that here. Any Merlot? I'm pretty sure you don't want these feet going nowhere near them grapes. Alrighty. How about a craft beer? Oh, yeah. We got plenty of crap beer. Which one you want? No, not crap beer. Craft beer. Oh, no, hell no. I'm, I'm pretty sure the bar down the street serves that. Okay, well, what do you serve? I'm glad you asked. Welcome to the Backwoods Barcast. We serve up moonshine, cheap beer, bottom shelf liquor, and stories even harder to swallow. 
Join Nick and Brittany and the janitor Stephen as we discuss Southeastern mysteries and mayhem, including but not limited to UFOs, true crime, the paranormal, and much more. So knock four times, grab a stool, let the bar talk commence, and as always, drink more beer. As the reports came rolling in, so did the exaggerations. Just like everything else, over the next couple of days, calls continued to pour in regarding the sightings of multiple lights in the sky, some arranged in the shape of a boomerang and others as odd moving lights with tails and fireballs. Ron Regeer, a veteran UFO researcher with the Mutual UFO Network and a former engineer with Boeing and Northrop Grumman, told Motherboard in an interview that he was part of the team that helped in developing the Defense Support Program Satellites, or DSP. These are a series of infrared sensing tactical satellites that detect a launch of missiles, space launches, and nuclear detonations. Regeer explained that he generated regular reports about what the DSP detected every 60 days. According to Regeer, he received a phone call from a colleague that the DSP picked up an object over southeastern Nevada. It traveled in that direction until its signal became too weak and it was lost over Tucson, Arizona. Regeer told Motherboard the following. The sightings were so significant in that so many people witnessed the event and how far the authorities went to falsify their experience. But so many people were polarized that it took on an almost immediate cult-like life of its own. 23 years later, folks are still talking about it. And I just want to talk about Ron Regeer for Crazy. a second. Oh, uh, yeah, do you guys yeah, yeah. remember him? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was he, he was the man with all the answers with Roswell. Yeah, yeah, he mm. was the one that made me go, okay, don't trust anyone that knows that that knows everything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Huh? What's he doing uh, now? Is he still? I, I haven't well, heard his name in the media for a long time, so I don't know. Well, I mean, we met him at the Utah UFO Festival. Do we meet meet him, or was he a lecturer? No, he both we met met him. Oh. Both, yeah. What he had all the that? He, he had the he books had all the, that were oh. more like pamphlets. He had all the pamphlets, and he was the old guy. And gotcha. I mean, I guess he's done a lot of impressive stuff. Like, I mean, I, I yeah. would say his portfolio is impressive, but and, I think he's kind of been – he has the blinders on a little bit. Like, he, he knows. Yeah, like, I guess when you've hmm. been in the field for as long as he has and you do have the impressive resume that he does, you do. it's hard to not start thinking of yourself as an expert, but he definitely had that attitude of, like, I know exactly what's going on and anything, anyone that thinks differently than me is wrong. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, the first time I met him, I kind of, uh, cause I had just finished reading Annie Jacobson's area 51 book. And I was, I kind of asked him about that, like a different theory with Roswell. And he was just like, Nope, it was this UFO crash. It was that like, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, okay. So that that rings a bell. Now it's coming back. The guy I now yeah. you recognize the table. Yeah. The the yeah. names yeah. And yeah. I don't I don't mean to like disparage him or like undersell any of his accomplishments or anything. Uh I just wanted to point out that like especially in this weird shit, like you kind of gotta look at who's telling you what because their own implicit bias is gonna color it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So Absolutely. if you wanna if you want to be able to like reach your own conclusions, then you do need to like know what they're 
you need to know who's telling you what so you know what how much credibility to give it i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah no i mean that's absolutely true and and i think it and again you know we talk about this just this field you know everybody has their theories and their views viewpoints whatever have you you know you need to 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 kind of you don't need to be a fencer, but you need to respect both sides and see both sides and understand what they're saying, how they're coming about you. And agreed, there are people that absolutely, you know, they have that wall up and it's their theory. They understand it. It's I stumbled on a guy today, uh, Tom Horn. I don't know if you guys, that name rings a bell, um, but he is all for the whole, you know, Clinton political, everything's a game. There's plants and Obama's a plant. He was planted there from like 30 years. It just, it's crazy where, where people go. So yeah. you really just got to make your own, well, your own viewpoint it, on that. Totally. And it, it has, it is actually hard to take Ron Regeer or Regeer. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but like it, it's hard for somebody of his stature with his credentials to kind of like bag him. I guess a little yeah, bit. No, I get that. Because I mean, you know, his, his resume is impressive. Very. But yeah. it's like, how is he getting to these certain things? Like how is he connecting the dots? And also it just seems like throughout his years of stuff, he's like, now he's just putting off all these other things and the blinders are on and he's only looking at these little things. I don't know. I, I don't well, know. It's, it's hard for me. Like, cause I mean, yeah. I actually met him. We all met him in person and it's hard for me to like discount what he's saying. And I want to take what he's saying, like with, you know, a, a high authority. Um, I also wonder if there was a little bit of like, uh, like the setting played into that too, where he's like, there is a lecturer and we're there is people going to a UFO festival who he probably True. thinks don't know shit. And yeah. Are dumb as fuck. You know what I mean? Could I think be. there was a little bit of like teacher underestimating the pupil kind of attitude going on yeah. there. Well, I mean, know, we so. were talking to him under a gazebo in a campground theater city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, right, exactly. I mean, I could definitely see him maybe yeah. thinking that we're, Idiots, dipshits from Cedar mm. City, for don't sure. Know anything anyway? And when we were like, "Well, what do you think about this?" He's like, "Whatever." Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Pumpkin. Yeah, you know that's a really good point too. It, so. And it could be. And an, another thing too is it's you got to give these people that's been doing it for a long time, as such as him, a lot of respect I, I, to a certain point. I mean, you don't have to like what they say necessarily, but they really put the work and the ambition into it. And I think as long as you keep that in check, you're, you know, you're doing the, the right thing. Um, yeah. Some of you, so the Patreon members that will come up, we have some bonus content coming out and there's one speaker that uh, talks about researching and interviewing people and people's viewpoints and how you want to approach them. And, you know, it kind of comes in handy. We talked about this thing here and I think that kind of follows suit a little bit. You know, you just got to gotta have a rapport in a way, you know, go from there. But John, you let into a good segue. Um, speaking of, People that are just, this is how it happened. This is what went on. You can't tell me that there's anything different. Um, we have another clip coming up. And granted, her heart's in the right place. And this might be my personal opinion. Um, her name's Dr. Kitai. Um, and I'll play it, but then I'm kind of curious on your your two's viewpoint, if that's cool. And, and we'll go from there. So seeing these lights that either seemed to be attached to something or had a force field in between because when they looked up 
They've locked out the stars in between the lights. Dr. Lynn Kitai reflecting on what she saw back on March 13, 1997. A string of lights shaped in a V hovering above the valley skies. Going through my mind, I was thinking, who are you? What are you? Do you know that I'm here? I'd love to meet you. For more than two decades now, countless explanations and claims have surfaced surrounding what she saw. I got it on 35 millimeter film. This is on, in the negative. It cannot be denied or to date, 22 years later, be explained. We're talking totally silent at rooftop level. People watched these phenomena just glide right over their heads. Authorities have said the lights were flares used by the Air National Guard, but many still believe this was a signal from another life form. I saw these things up close and personal. They were not flares. The lights in the sky still a mystery to many. Some people can't deal with this topic. Some people don't want to, and that's okay. Lynn's mission is clear. She wants to make sure the world doesn't forget the Phoenix Lights. She even wrote a book, The Phoenix Lights, and produced an award-winning documentary of her sighting of floating orbs. People can make up their own mind. I'm not saying what these are. People that have an experience, a true paranormal experience, it's not a belief, it's a knowing. And as I tell everyone else, keep looking up. If you'd like to... Thoughts? Um, uh, I mean, she's a lot of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot to process. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, she's kept the same story for over two decades. And me coming from a place of these people saw a giant mile wide possible mothership. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, she saw what she saw. She filmed it. Some of her stuff is the most famous footage out there. Um, and they're not flares and they're not warthogs. I'm not convinced by those explanations at all. And actually, we're going to get into why we think they may be warthogs. And I do want to get into that before I yeah. go any further. But um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, she basically flat out said we they were it was blocking out the starlight. Like, mm -hmm. even if it were planes flying in close formation, it wouldn't completely block out the starlight yeah and well she's not the only one that has said this so no, she's not she's just the only one that took it to the point of mm -hmm. where she did the research she documented of course you know yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. she went th she went through the process but i sure. mean so eyewitness accounts are shaky at best sometimes and that's why you have to be very yeah. weary of them but when you have a lot of eyewitnesses stories matching up because People had different stories in this time for sure, but there are hundreds of people with the same exact story that don't know each other, Agreed. that don't have any yeah. bias or any reason to have the same story as this person, and it's matching up. But yeah. let's—I—I uh, I, want to hear about some more reports. I, I was going to say, so that's a good—that's a good segue lead into this because there are more stories, and and we didn't pull them all. I didn't—I mean, God, I could have been researching for months on end. Um, oh, yeah. But I pulled some of the prevalent ones and what kind of made sense out of that. And, uh, yeah, let's continue to go to that rabbit hole. So uh, the reports continue to roll in for the next two days. It was damn near impossible to tell fact from fiction who was creating a story to try and one-up another story. And that's the problem. A lot of this, I think, was once the stories came out, now it was a matter of people going, oh, wait, I got a better one. And there was a mm -hmm. lot of reports of that, which, yeah. you know. That's just convoluted. Uh, but we want to mention a few other accounts, such as Ron's above, so we can get an idea of what was being seen. 
So at about 1855 PST, which is 655, sorry everybody, a man reported seeing a V-shaped object above Henderson, Nevada. He said it was about the size of a Boeing 747, sounded like rushing wind, which goes against the other report, just to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. that there was no sound heard and had yep. six lights on its leading edge. The lights reportedly traversed northwest to the southeast. An identified former police officer from Paulden, Arizona, is claimed to have been the next person to report a sighting after leaving his house at about 2015 Mountain Standard Time, which is 8.15. As he was driving north, he allegedly saw a cluster of reddish or orange lights in the sky comprising four lights together and a fifth light trailing them. Each of the individual lights in the formation appeared to the witness to consist of two separate point sources of orange light. He returned home and, through binoculars, watched the lights until they disappeared south over the horizon. This is a direct quote from that observer. Whilst doing astrophotography, I observed five yellow white lights in a V formation moving slowly from the northwest across the sky to the northeast, then turn almost due south and continue until out of sight. The point of the V was in the direction of movement. The first three lights were in a fairly tight V, while two of the lights were further back along the lines of the V's legs. During the northwest-northeast transit, one of the trailing lights moved up and joined the three and then dropped back to the trailing position. I estimated three light V to cover about 0.5 degrees of sky, and the whole group of five lights to cover about one degree of sky, which... I know that doesn't sound like a lot when you talk about degrees in the sky, but you're talking the entire sky. Mm-hmm. That's a big, that's a massive sighting. That's, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, there's also the account of Tim Lay and his Bobby, his son Hal, and his grandson Damian Turnage. They first saw the lights when they were above Prescott Valley, about 65 miles away from them. And at first, the lights appeared to them as five separate and distinct lights in an arc shape kind of as if they were on top of a balloon, but they soon realized that the lights appeared to be moving towards them. And over the next 10 or so minutes, the lights appeared to come closer. The distance between the lights increased, and they took on the shape of an upside-down V. Hmm. So eventually, when the lights appeared to be a couple of miles away, the witnesses could make out a shape that looked like a 60-degree carpenter square, as we've mentioned before, with the five lights set into it, with one at the front and two on each side. And soon the object with the embedded lights appeared to be coming right down the street where they lived, about 100 to 150 feet above them, traveling so slowly that it appeared to hover and was silent. And the object then seemed to pass over their heads and went through a V opening in the peaks of the mountain range towards Squaw Peak. Mount, uh, excuse me, towards Squaw Peak Mountain and toward the direction of Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Witnesses in Glendale, a suburb of northwest Phoenix, saw the object pass overhead at an altitude high enough to become obscured by the thin clouds. This was at approximately between 8.30 and 8.45 Mountain Standard Time. When the triangle formation entered the Phoenix area, Bill Greiner, a cement driver hauling a load down a mountain north of Phoenix, described the group of lights. Greiner stated that the lights hovered over the area for more than two hours. And here is his quote. He says, I'll never be the same. Before this, if anybody had told me they saw a UFO, I would have said, yeah, and I believe in the tooth fairy. Now I've got a whole new view and I may be just a dumb truck driver, but I've seen something that don't belong here. Yeah, there's one. There's two, actually. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, do we know? It sounds kind of like uh, Tim and Bobby uh, might have been looking at the second sighting. Yeah, um, I think I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, think. it sounds like it. Yeah, I've seen like footage of the second sighting and would not be hard to convince that those were flares. You know what I mean? Just like as far as like the way it changed, how they formed it changes right. shape, even like as you watch some of the footage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's very interesting. Well, part of me is just like. I don't know. Maybe you have the first thing and then all of a sudden everybody gets wind of it. And then the military is just like, all right, how are we going to cover this up? Here's the second sighting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean, we talk about it. It's legit. All these people didn't see shit on the first one because this is what the second one was. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what the first one was too. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. Wild wild speculation coming from my camp. (laughs) Wild speculation. It's, it's a, it's a good way to, muddy the waters though you know like to Mm. recreate something that looks fairly similar to what the people saw that's very easily explainable away i mean that's straight out of project blue book you know what i mean yeah absolutely all right so here's another report from someone that witnessed what they were seeing they witnessed what they were seeing wow that's good to know (laughs) i mean hopefully they would do that (laughs) A report came from a young man in the Kingman area who stopped his car at a payphone to report the incident. On his way to Los Angeles, he stopped and called from a phone booth to report having seen a large and bizarre cluster of stars moving slowly in the northern sky. So we also stumbled on this interview uh, that was done by Cheryl Cooper in 2000, uh, where she recorded her husband telling this encounter during that fateful night. There's a quote from that. Um, I got about as far as Blythe and still in Arizona and I just happened to notice something out of the corner of my eye and it was moving I would say it was probably southwest uh, I looked up on the left and it was the same thing everybody saw in 1997 some people saw these things take off at great speed without even dispersing the air I watched it and watched it and I stopped the car in the middle of the desert and then I called my wife and I said Cheryl, damn it Cheryl Cheryl, (laughs) I'm looking at the weirdest thing right now. Uh, I'm out here all alone and I'm watching this thing happen. Then I realized, wait a minute, I'm out here all alone. That's not a good idea. If that's what I think it is, apparently they weren't kiss bands. They didn't abduct me. (laughs) Which, you know, it's a thank God they're not kiss. Oh, I know, right? Exactly. Thank God. So what's funny is about that, uh, if you already did a guess by last name is Cheryl, his lovely wife, um, this actually was a quote from Alice Cooper. Uh, I'm not even going to explain who that guy is if you guys don't know. He's it, the so, shock rock you know, god. Shock rock god. So um, just something that she recorded him, I think it was three to four years after it happened and they were just doing something in their living room and and he realized that something occurred. And so, you know, they put it down on tape. Um, yeah. We talked I've never about, heard of that ever. I, I, I didn't either. It was really funny. I stumbled. Actually, so there's a little side subject or side story. There's an actual website called the Phoenix Lights. If any of you listeners, strangers want to get on there and look that up, it's interesting. 
they've got everything kind of broken down, news, events, reports, eyewitness accounts, pictures. Um, again, we talked about it earlier before. There's a festival that goes on. Like, it's a thing. Um, this is where I found his quote at was on that website. And it was just like a one-off thing. But something that – and actually, John, you mentioned it when we first started researching – and then I found another clip of it, but it was just amazing how we talked about the governor. And he's somewhat of a he's a he's a, he's a face that saw he's a guy, yeah, guy. You know whether he flip flopped a story or not. Which Josh, you got a very good point. He probably very well did. You know, for the most part. Um, but there's some people that really saw these things, and they're kind of high up in the chain. One of them, and this is more fun than I think anything, is Kurt Russell. Uh, yeah, yeah, I gotta love Kurt Russell. Kurt the thing baby. is the best movie ever, and he evidently has a pilot's license, and so he just started getting it a couple years prior uh, to this event, and he was flying his kid, I guess, to a kissing date or something, soccer practice. I don't know what it was. Yeah, yeah, what, what the it was. Fuck's a kissing date. I yeah. want one. Well, yeah, right. Don't we all? If you don't know by now. Josh, you're, I mean, it's just too late for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're already kind of up there. <laughs> but let's play this. It's a little longer, but it's very interesting. It's kind of fun. It's kind of jovial. So see if you guys enjoy this or not. You, uh, there's a story that, uh, another story involving you and your son that I want to ask you about because I don't know the details on this story, but you guys saw a UFO. True? Oh, you're talking about, yeah. Um, yeah, it is In true. a plane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Goldie... Goldie had an experience. I, I, she wrote about it in her book. It's, it, it, but anyway, so she's, she's not just a firm believer. She had an experience. So one time, Oliver, I was flying. I was, it was in a, in a time where I was <laughs> kind of like I, I just a couple years earlier learned to fly. So I was still in a period in my life where any excuse to fly would do. He wanted to go to Phoenix to see a friend. And I said, sure, I'll fly. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so we flew to we were My dad to wouldn't drive yeah, me to right. the wall, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe bowling, that was it. <laughs> so we're going into Phoenix, and uh, we're, I think it was Sky Harbor, and uh, there's these bank of lights, six lights, uh, in the shape of a triangle going back right over the airport. And I'm looking at them as I'm coming in. I'm, you know, on the, on the horn talking to them, and I'm coming in. And I, I'm not saying anything about it because I'm kind of confused by it, but it, I can't tell if this is going to be an issue or not with landing. And Oliver said, uh, hey, Pa, what are those lights? And it was, and I said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they are. And so anyway, I called up the tower and I said, what are you guys painting tonight over the, over the airport? And they said, we're not showing anything. What, what are you seeing? I said, well, there's six lights in a row. And they said, do you want to report this? And I said, ah, look, I, I can't identify it. It's flying and it's six objects. <laughs> so that's what it is, right? So we landed. I dropped him off, flew home. Years later, I come, I come home, and Goldie's watching this show on UFOs. And the most reported one of all time was this one in Phoenix. And I'm watching, I start to see this show, and I said, wait a minute. That's the night Ollie and I were landing in Phoenix. I remember that. And I, had, I, I said, wait a minute, I've got it in my, in my logbook. So I went to my logbook, and I, I didn't mention anything about the, the reporting the UFO, but my, but my life, my flight was logged, so I said, "Yeah." And and on the show, they talked about twenty thousand people reporting it, and only one um, general aviation pilot. And I said, "That's that's me." <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so the weirdest part of that to me though was, 
I'd never thought about it from the time I landed until <laughs> I saw that TV show. And when I saw Oliver the next day, he hadn't either. Really? I thought that was kind of bizarre. That's when you know you have an interesting life, when you go like, yeah, UFO. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> is that cool? I'm, I'm How has he sure. never heard of the Phoenix Lights? I think he just forgot. I don't know. I, he's I mean, a, I guess you're has, Kurt Russell. You have like a million other things that you're trying yeah, to fly. Has flying a plane, life. doing death proof. Yeah, yeah you have yeah, an interesting yeah. life. Death proof. Um, I'm a loser think, like myself. I think I remember that interview, and I think it was around the time Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 2 came out, and him and Chris Pratt were there together, and it, like they asked him about that, and he told that story, and then Chris Pratt was just kind of like, I mean, that's a real cool story and stuff, but I don't believe in aliens or any of that shit. <laughs> yeah, so that uh, that was actually a story wow. that was by a British um, media guy. And then, and then I think Kimmel picked it up after the fact. But I, I did come across that, and it's funny because Chris Pratt just absolutely – which, by the way, Chris Pratt, um, I used to live in his hometown in Lake Stevens, Washington, by the way. Hmm. Wink, wink, little little – Little famous well, I also Rubby just instantly don't like Chris Pratt because <laughs> oh. obviously he's a fucking twat. If he doesn't, yeah. Jesus I mean, too. he kind of is. So he's kind of yeah, yeah. We got that. Well, speaking of twats, we're going to take another commercial break, and uh, <laughs> and we will be back. So stand by, Wonderful everybody. Segue. <laughs> If you like podcasts and you like science, come on, baby, listen to us. Oh my god, is that good? <laughs> yeah, that was that was epic. Listen to the Mad Scientist podcast on all of your iTunes and other listening things. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell. Here is my co-host, Marie Mayhew, and we sing, we sing, we sing a lot. We sing for science. Yes. We talk about science. We talk about history. We talk about ghosts and monsters and UFOs and things. And it's a lot of yeah. fun. So come learn about yes. ghosts and UFOs and physics and chemistry and a little bit of biology. And about economic collapse. On the Mad Scientist Podcast. Oh, my God. That, that interview just fucking amazing. He's like, wait, that, that was me. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. I'm the one pilot. Um, so... Got a few more uh, claims and everything, but there is a UFO advocate by the name of Jim Delatoso, and he claimed to have performed a spectral analysis of photographs and video imagery that proved the lights could not have been produced by a man-made source. Uh, Delatoso claimed to have used software called Image Pro Plus, and the exact version is unknown, but he used that to determine the amount of red, green, and blue in the various photographic and video images and construct histograms of the data, which were then compared to several photographs known to be of flares. Several sources have pointed out, however, that it is impossible to determine the spectral signature of a light source based solely on photographic or video imagery as film and electronics mm. inherently alter the spectral signature of a light source by shifting hue in the visible spectrum. And experts in spectro spectroscopy have dismissed his claims as being scientifically invalid. 
normal photographic equipment also eliminates light outside the visible spectrum. Example, infrared and ultraviolet, that would be necessary for a complete spectral analysis. The maker of Image Pro Plus, uh, Media Cybernetic, even has stated that its software is incapable of performing spectroscopic analysis. So, I mean... Okay. I I think I think well, nothing matter nothing matters at all until the company is like, yeah, we don't do that. We're, we're, like our shit just can't. That, that yeah. Can't so happen. like we can like dissect whatever Jim Dilatasso said. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Like oh, I don't know the red and the greens and everything, but the company's like, no, nah, we just we just don't do that. I you can't. You just can't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so you just can't. Yeah, so in case you guys are wondering, we're we're now we're on the thing of of plausible theories, ideas, tests they did. And there's many of them. And and so we try to cover the gamut a little bit. And what John just talked about was something that like, look, this guy did this. He went through the spectrometer. This is what happened. Obviously, he's not an amateur. He knew what he was talking about. Um, but there are other reports past this. And I, you know, I'm not a camera guy. I I mean, I don't I I, I mean that makes sense, but I, I really can't go neither her nor there, whether it's like, oh, yeah, he's right. Yeah, you, you are a cable guy, though. You can't do that. I love that show. Jim Carrey's so cool. Cable guy. guy. <laughs> Sorry, I, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just <laughs> anyway. couldn't keep that inside any longer. Mm. Well, another independent video laboratory, Cognitech, superimposed video imagery taken of the Phoenix lights onto video imagery it shot during daytime from the same location. In the composite range, or sorry, in the composite image, the lights are seen to extinguish at the moment they reach the Estrella mountain range, which is visible in the daytime, but invisible in the footage shot at night. A broadcast by a local Fox Broadcasting Company affiliate, KSAS TV. KSAS TV. <laughs> KSAS. Uh, they claimed to have performed a similar test that showed the lights were in front of the mountain range and suggested that the Cognitech data might have been altered. Dr. Paul Scowen, visiting professor of astronomy at Arizona State University, performed a third analysis using daytime imagery overlaid with video shot of the lights, and his findings were consistent with Cognitech. The Phoenix New Times uh, subsequently reported the television station had simply overlaid two video tracks on a video editing machine without using a computer to match the zoom and scale of the two images. So weird. A Fox affiliate was like doing half that mm. shit. Yeah. Right. No, they fo- misinformation that never happens on Fox. <laughs> they know exactly what they're doing over there. I thoughts on that. I was kind of curious when I stumbled on that a little bit, I, I didn't know which way to go with it personally. So, mm. I mean, uh, I, I feel like, I don't know. I think that, it just comes into there's some really technical things to try and explain it. And you're really trying to stretch how to explain this thing. What happened? Right. Well, and if it's the just lights, not. Go ahead. If the lights are seen to extinguish the moment that they reach the Estrella mountain range. Couldn't that just mean they were going over it? Well, well yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's I not. Mean, that hard and and again so let's back this up a little bit they were going over the and and at this juncture we could be talking about something that's extraterrestrial 
We could be talking about airplanes that went over the mountain. I mean, at this, it could be anything. So I, you know, I threw that in there because a lot of this, like John, you were saying, like technical. When I'm the back of my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, people when they throw technical out there, this this technology jargon. It's to confuse everybody else that don't understand or they don't think that they're going to bother to look into the technical aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just me being paranoid and weird. I I don't know. Well, and there's even – I don't know. I just think that, like, explaining shit and making it twist into something that makes sense. Right. Like, right. you got to go with Occam's Razor – on this point and it's like man you're really connecting some dots here you're really fucking doing this thing when occam's razor is there was a giant fucking craft flying through the yeah. sky yeah the most obvious thing and for those of you who don't know the most obvious thing is the plausible thing i mean that's occam's razor don't yeah. start making it all weird because it, it, there's no need to well we're going to continue a little bit um let's get more into climate and environment a little bit and get away from the technology um it was stated Wind direction measured independently by several weather stations in the Phoenix area and archived by the National Centers for Environmental Information is consistent with reports about the movement of the lights. During the events, wind direction, origin, was changing from roughly west, i.e. blowing towards the east, to north, i.e. blowing towards the south. This supports a hypothesis that the flying objects were wind-driven and could simply have been balloons such as sky lanterns or other balloon-carried light effects or flares. So let me start this bullshit and say, if those are fucking balloons in an exact triangle pattern flying over fucking mountain ranges, I got a fucking bridge in the desert I'm going to sell you, <laughs> even though there is a bridge in the desert. Uh, that's just <laughs> is it for sale, though. Yeah, I don't think it's for sale. It's not for sale. That is a crock of shit. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, that's just so ridiculous. I mean. Balloons. Sky for, lanterns. For the second sighting, I don't as quickly dismiss it because I have seen the footage where they're not in a in direct line, where they're not, like, like the the formation changes a little bit. Well, let know, me let move. me clarify. But you're talking mainly the flare theory, correct? On the second side, yeah. Like, I, I, and I'm with you. I, I think I'm. That's plausible to me because you look at it. They do kind of break up. They're not quite in line the same. Um, I, I mean, I'm not gonna say that's what it was, but I'm not gonna throw that out with the bat, the baby with the bathwater. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I like basically. I feel like the first sighting was probably a legit thing and the second sighting could have very possibly been the government trying to muddy the waters you know what i'm saying or it could have been just a fucking coincidence that we have occurred through centuries of there are weird anomalies but because there's this other thing that's so close to it that just happened to be in the proximity and 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 we know other events that have occurred similar where it it really could be like 70 30 30 being there was something actually there, but 70 being that there was a weird anomalous coincidence nearby. And, yeah. and I, and I don't, know, I would float that by as a theory, maybe more than anything, but I don't know. We got, well, we got we, more here. Well, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll go on. Uh, I was going to interject, but well, I'll just continue. So there's a guy named Mitch Stanley and he's an amateur astronomer and he observed high altitude lights flying in formation using a Dobsonian telescope, giving 43 times the magnification 
And after observing the lights, he told his mother, who was present at the time, fucking loser. <laughs> hey, mom. Mom, I, I, I've witnessed something at 43 times the magnification. Give me a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> uh, but he told his mom, who was there at the time, that the lights were aircraft. And according to Stanley, the lights were quite clearly individual airplanes. A companion who was with him recalled asking Stanley at the time what the lights were, and he said planes. And when Stanley first gave an account of his observation at the Discovery Channel town hall meeting with all the witnesses there, he was shouted down in his assertion that what he saw was what other witnesses saw. So, I mean, people were like not having that. That just did not seem like a logical thing. But obviously, Stanley was seeing the Maryland National Guard jets flying in formation on their way to drop high-altitude flares at the Barry M. Goldwater bombing range south of Phoenix. Can I stop you real quick? Yeah, sure. How would you like to be named after a bombing range? Is that just me? But I, you know. I'm just sorry. Anyway, go ahead. But his account as to the nature of the lights that moved in formation that night is contradicted by some Phoenix residents without high-powered telescopes, however, and no military or civilian aircraft formations were known to have been flying in that area at the time. Um, Of course, the Maryland National Guard jets were not known about at that time because their mission was a classified military mission, but I just find all of that just so... I'm just stretching it to make why it like yeah is the maryland national guard in arizona oh yeah okay hold on devil's advocate a lot of times you will have the military that would do exercises and they will basically do a boy scout trip with another squadron or another group or another they'll go to their playground or they will come to their playground it happens yeah. And so, I mean, you know, I guess I'm, if I'm you not, got planes, I guess if you got fast yeah, planes, yeah. it's like, yeah, we're going to fly to Arizona real quick. Yeah. But I mean, that's not all out of the jurisdiction necessarily because it's just, that's just a waste of government money and they try to find the best way they can waste it. So there you go. Still, and I think it wasn't he. So I guess you're, um, I guess you guys are going to get into the Warhog explanation, but like, <sighs> I just have such a hard time with this one. Because it just planes don't create a large round equidescent light. No. No, agreed. They, I mean, yeah. and and they make a shitload of noise. Yeah. So where I where we're Even all where we all live, where we're all from, there's an Air Force base, Hill Air Force Base. It's 45 minutes directly north of where we all live. Right. And when you're in the Ogden area where that air force base is located, planes fly over there all the time, like F 16s and what have you just super high powered military jets. And those things light up the sky with the sound. Like you can hear those from so long. And when they fly over, you can hear them. And like, I mean, it's just, and like, you do not need, to be in the air force to realize that that's a fucking jet flying over you. No. And, and I so, agree. So, so and the fact that this, so the fact loud. that, and I just don't trust this dude, Mitch Stanley hanging out with his mom. I don't know. Yeah. What kind of dickhead hangs out with their mom? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey mom. What? I don't know. I just like, <laughs> what do you, what, why? And why is, I don't know. I'm definitely being very 
hypercritical. So which is why we know, do this. I mean, this is why we do don't this. take don't you know don't bash me for that. But let me go back. Just up. Like yeah, let me go back up this. So look at the witnesses that were previous now. And again, this is misconstrued. We had one witness that said everything was eerily silent. There was absolutely no sound. Granted, that witness I believe was the first event, wasn't the second event. We have other witnesses that said, no, it sounded like rushing wind. Well, you, if you hear an airplane coming from a long distance, it, it very well may sound like rushing wind. It but sounds I would like think a jet. It would be noisier. It does once it gets within your hemisphere <sighs> above you. Yeah. Dude. You know, but again, we're going by observers. We're going by witnesses. Yes. We're going yes. by. Do you remember when the F-35s did that fucking dumbass fly over the valley because of the fucking shutdown to like show solidarity with the people. Oh yeah, really yeah, yeah. It's just I heard that shit from Draper using military force to intimidate the citizenry. Anyway, <laughs> that shit was so fucking loud. I heard it ten minutes before the planes were over my house, and Aubrey thought we were having another fucking earthquake. Yeah, but they were flying pretty low too, just because they sure. were doing that bullshit. That but, we call. Well, and know. according to witnesses, this thing was very low. I mean, people were saying it was 150 feet above them, which obviously that can't be right if it then went over the mountains. But no, if it's that far, that the fucking it would. I mean, well, things can go up and down in elevation. It just no, they can't. Like John. they, oh, that's well, physically impossible. <laughs> you can't go up, John. If you got to go up, you've got to get that. You are only happen. allowed to exist at the height you were born at, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I'm just saying. If I, okay, yeah. I, I tell you what, let's let's do that. Uh, this is fun, but jo- do you want to wrap up, Josh, and then we can banter because I, and again, I'm on the fence with which way we go. But there's some very plausible points here, and I I think we should fight against them and see what we're at. After All right, we're let's, done. Josh, you 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 bring us out to the end, and then like let's just fucking argue. Yes, y'all motherfuckers <laughs> want to hear about the Air Force? The Air Force? Yeah, sure. Let's hear it. All right. Here comes some state propaganda for you. Uh, the U.S. Air Force explained the second event as slow-falling, long-burning LUU-2B-B, fuck you for naming it that, illumination flares dropped by a flight of four A-10 Warthog aircraft on a training exercise at the Barry Goldwater Range at Western Pima County. According to this explanation, the flares would have been visible in Phoenix and appeared to hover due to the rising heat from the burning flares, creating a balloon effect on their parachutes, which slowed the descent. This is this is going to be hard Jesus. to get through. <laughs> Don't this choke, such dude. Bullshit. <laughs> the lights then appeared to wink out as they fell behind the Sierra Estrella, a mountain range to the northwest of Phoenix. Southwest. And to add insult to injury, there is this little tidbit. A Maryland Air National Guard pilot, Lieutenant Colonel Ed Jones, responding to a March 2007 media query, confirmed that he had flown one of the aircraft in the formation that dropped the flares on the night in question. The squadron to which he belonged was, in fact, at davis Monthan AFB, Arizona, on a training exercise at the time and flew training sorties to the Barry Goldwater Range on the night in question. According to the Maryland Air National Guard, a history of the Maryland Air National Guard published in 2000 asserted that the squadron, the 104th Fighter Squadron, was responsible for the incident, and I call 100% fuck you bullshit on that. That just doesn't even fucking, that doesn't even check out at all. The only thing that checks out is the flares burning out and looking like they're going behind the mountain because they 
flares are supposed to burn out before they hit the ground and start a fucking fire. Right. Yeah. 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 Agreed. That's all agreed. Now, the other side of this, too, is there's ways to prove that just because you have a guy sitting here saying, oh, yeah, I flew doesn't necessarily say that fucking existed and or happened. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure these are confidential, but everything, including the Air Force or the Navy, whoever has planes up, they still have to go by the same flight guidelines as anything else. There had to been flight logs. There had to been gas logs. There had to been everything else involved. Now, I'm sure that stuff wasn't released or maybe a person could request it. I don't even know how that process works. Yeah, but um, okay, so, so if it is flares, why is the Air Force, the United States Air Force, dropping flares over Sky Harbor International Airport? Yeah. That is a civilian international airport in Phoenix, Arizona. Why is that thing in restricted airspace? They have their own airspace. That is just... Well, it was just in the northeast of it, That is putting the, the general safety of the public at high risk like yeah, they wouldn't they do that they dropping the flares that. until they were over barry's bombing range yeah go to uncle barry's bombing range drop the flares do whatever tests you want but the fact that i'm not discounting that the military would do some definitely shady shit to the public i mean they did it in st louis they've done crazy stuff but uh i don't think in 97 the air force or the Air National Guard wanted to drop flares over Sky Harbor. Well, you guys have all heard the term military intelligence, correct? Because it completely fucking construes what it means. I believe that's an oxymoron. <laughs> it absolutely I mean, yeah. is. There has been fucking mistakes. Dude, I was in the Navy till like 99, and I remember throwing fucking garbage over the side of the fucking ship thinking it was no big deal, and listening to the mm-hmm. quartermaster, who was supposed to be navigating the ship, going, oh, we're like 280 miles off from our harbor coming off Australia, because somebody wanted to remap that. Nothing's ever perfect. And again, I'm playing devil's advocate. But things happen, things occur, mistakes occur. Here's my thing, and and then I, I guess we can just roundhouse. I'm not saying that it didn't exist. I'm hoping it existed. I, I more than anything believe that the first event was legitimate. And I believe that because of the bases in the area, and I'm just hear me out, because how close they were, we know Arizona, Nevada, Colorado, we know there's like 12 fucking bases within a 500 mile range that they scrambled to try to make. So if you look at the timeline that this happened and there was an actual occurrence of something that was strange that we can't explain, the military absolutely would scramble to try to cover it up and or make the fucking mistakes like dropping flares closer to an airport than they should. So mic drop. That's my thing. I I don't 100% disagree with you on that. Like I I'm open to the second sighting being flares and being done on purpose or by accident because people are fucking dumb, but as an attempt to discredit the first sighting, you know what I mean? Like I'm open to that because I have seen like footage from the second sighting where the, where the lights change formation and don't line up. So if it's, if If it's not something like that, then it is at least not the same thing as the first sighting. But the first sighting where everything stays in perfect formation, like, that's not going to be a thing. You know what I mean? No, absolutely yeah, not. And I mean, I'm not I'm not going to argue with a, 
a decorated pilot that looks up and says, that's a giant thing stretching. Yeah. Yeah. It blocks the stars and it's blocking out the stars. And that is one single structure. Um, not one, not one of these theories that I've seen really resonates with me as far as it's not flares. Uh, it's not balloons. It's, it's, you know, and I don't know. I'm not saying it's aliens either, but right. It, I, I think, I think there was a, honestly, I think there was a giant craft that flew over the Phoenix, Phoenix area, flew over Arizona. So, and, so with that being said, I will say, and I don't know if I share this, you or not, it will be noted. And these are other things that, and I say this at the very end, I didn't really type it up. Um, Again, this happened 22 years ago now, right? With with the year that we're in, mm, 23, 23 almost. Um, it yes, this is still talked about in the community in in what our little culture world here. But 80 percent of the people who are in this community, Micah Hanks is a good example. Greg Bishop's a good example. They absolutely believe that it was airplanes, and people are exaggerating this 100. percent Yeah. So you know, and it's just. And again, that's why I don't take my opinion because I have their opinion. You know, I looked at this research. We talked about it. We walked through it. We talked about different witnesses seeing different things. You know, one said it was noise. One said it wasn't. One said there was lights. One said they were wrong pattern. Yeah. But a lot of the common prevalent things is the first sighting was an exact triangle. It didn't move. It didn't match. It was the same thing. It blocked this out. You And that seems to be the trend of most of these witness accounts. And so that's where I came up with with just my plausible yeah, theory. Yeah, well, I mean, and it it goes back. I mean, eyewitness testimony is very unreliable. Yeah, uh, sad. And if you well, have over 10,000 people witnessing that, the only thing I think lends credence to it is that hundreds of people did report the same sighting. And also I wanted to say that there are accounts of people witnessing UFOs, not not the Phoenix Lights or anything, but like there will be, let's say, a family that witnesses a UFO on their property. And every person that witnesses this UFO takes something different from it and experiences something different while they're all witnessing the same thing. So one person is scared and terrified and they see this thing doing this while their sibling is standing directly next to them a foot away, 12 inches away, seeing the exact same thing. And it's loud and noisy and, you know, they're terrified while the other one's calm. Like, and this goes into the realm of, you know, we can't, maybe, maybe this is a thing that we can't possibly wrap our heads around. Like we talk about it, but we talk about it in craft nomenclature like this is a craft but Mm -hmm. that's because we know what a craft is and that's how we know how to make these lights into a nice little bushel and it's like and explain it like that's a craft but we can only explain it in a craft or that's balloons or flares so or planes flying really high up like we only have a couple explanations that our dumb brains can really comprehend because if it is something else and if people did witness the same thing just because they have different explanations 
I don't know. It doesn't mean that, you know, they didn't see that. And and, and you're and the same person that saw it that says something different didn't doesn't mean that they didn't also see that exact same thing. And you're absolutely right. And I think that really goes along with kind of what MJ Benias discusses. There's a social con- construct here and there's an imagination and a culture around all of us. Even if we're in the same family, we were perceived things differently because of who we are, our anxiety, our experiences, our effects on the culture, you know, our life, things that have occurred, all mm. that are factors that play into that. So you actually are 100% right, John, I think. And when you, you know, I talk with witnesses, one saw this, one saw this. Yeah, but how far do you, how far do you trust that? How far do you yeah. go? Well, but this person said, this is not a court of law. This is not a, you know, just because I say that horse over there is black doesn't mean that you have to say the same thing if you're not seeing the same thing. It, it very, yeah, that, that's a very good viewpoint, mm-hmm. you know, to see, definitely. Yeah. Um, I would honestly be interested to know more about like Micah Hanks and uh, everybody else in the communities who's saying they think it's airplanes and, and shit, like why they think that. Right. Yeah. Like I would like to to know more about what brought them to that conclusion and if they mean specifically the second sighting or if they mean both the first sighting and the second sighting. Um, I don't think the lights are airplanes by any means. That's not what airplane lights look like. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. flares, sure. Could be planes dropping flares, sure, but not not planes themselves unless they're flying with lights hanging from them. That's just yeah, not right. what airplane lights look like. Right. And uh and then it would be definitely something more nefarious because that would mean they were flying with their running lights off also, which is fucking dangerous. Highly right? illegal. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I would be interested to know more about that. Um as far as I'm concerned, I think the first sighting was probably some type of actual UFO sighting, whether it's a craft or fucking whatever. Yeah. Um, because then we go down the road of the whole like nuts and bolts theory and I don't think nuts and bolts and it being something completely not nuts and bolts are mutually exclusive. I think there could be both. Mm-hmm. But um I also I think that the first sighting was legit and I think the second sighting was either the a cover up trying for the to muddle the waters or... and cover cover shit up or maybe that flight was already scheduled and the idiots dropped their flares too soon or whatever. But like it, I mean the, to me, the second one's open for discussion, but the first one, I I don't think it was, I, mm. I don't think it was flares or any of that shit. Well, and yeah. And also like the air force base, or whatever coming out and saying like, yeah, no, we had a scheduled, f- f- excuse me. We had a scheduled flight and we dropped flares. That doesn't mean that, the other thing also didn't happen. It's like, yeah. no, yeah, we exactly. weren't talking about sightings. It's like the annoying cousin over here being like, no, I was doing this the whole time. It's like, yeah, no <laughs> right. one cares about you, dude. Just right. keep going over there. Again, it goes back to coincidence. Like, it really could be, you know, if yeah. that's the case. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that this is listeners. You kind of work it out. I mean, and obviously you can find the same things we found. I, I did some deep digging um, on some things. Alice Cooper thing was a nice little, nice little tidbit. Uh, but you know, this still goes around in our realm and, and what's happening. And, uh, and again, Ian, you know, you asked for this and, and, you know, there you, you asked go. for this, you Mr. asked for this. You're the fucker that did this. God so damn it. this is you dude. <laughs> so I hope you're proud of yourself. 
So that's the Phoenix Look what Lights, you did, ladies. you little jerk. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a Phoenix Lights, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else other than, hey, you want to write us on something else. You saw a UFO. You saw a ghost. You saw something going on. You can write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. You really want to get excited and you want to try to find a payphone, which good luck with that because you probably won't. You can call us at 801-252-69. Find a payphone. 45. And uh, you can join Patreon, patreon.com slash strangeuncles. Again, we got all kinds of offerings out there. And uh, if nothing else, like I said, just, you know, don't be a stranger. Drop us a note. Let us know. Uh, we've got other things in the pipeline, and uh, we're on social media. I don't know if one of you guys want to kind of cover some of those links. Yeah, uh, do be a stranger. That's what we call our patrons. So come be an intimate stranger, if you know what I'm saying. Wink, Woo. wink. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and uh, Instagram at Strange Uncles Podcast, on Twitter at Strange Uncles. Um, we have a YouTube channel. Go check it out. We're Since we're having to do the podcast through zoom we're recording it and putting out a video um a lot of it just goes to patrons but um we're putting some of it on the youtube channel so check it out let us know what you think um let us know if we should keep doing it or waste or stop wasting our time um but yeah uh catch us in these streets i guess yeah we'll be we'll be in the streets in the streets don't catch these hands Anyway, I don't even know what it means. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was a little afraid that we were going to come into this episode and I would be convinced that it was going to be some type of conventional aircraft or somehow uh, flares. But I am coming out of this episode. More hopeful. <laughs> I'm coming out of this episode actually more resilient in that I think something unexplained happened that night. From our group chat about this episode i thought for sure that this was revenge for the moon landing episode shane <laughs> yeah <laughs> fucking moon landing episode i'm still on the fence but yeah absolutely jesus no you're not you're not on the fence <laughs> anyway hopefully you guys like that everybody be safe be kind to one another don't be an asshole Close wash your gates. hands wear your mask yeah by all means close the gates been listening to a fourth hand production